Welcome to the Across the Spoilerverse podcast. I'm your homie, Paul, dressed up as Bedman right now because uh, I-, I looked at the Golden Globes last night and I thought, look, it's a very prestigious event. Everyone's out there having a good time. They're all dressed in their own great stuff. So I thought I'd, I'd come up rocking my finest wares from Matalan. And uh, yeah, that's why I decided to do the whole podcast in this, which is just basically a big bed sheet. So thanks a lot, guys, for all your support and making it so I can get sponsored by Batman bedsheets. Uh, so how are you doing, Greg? You look fly. I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing all right. I'm excited to talk about it. We got Golden Globes. We got a little bit of Jonathan Majors. We got mainly that. I feel like there's something else. There's another main topic in there. Well, Greg, I'm sure I don't know how it skipped your mind because it's all I've seen on Twitter this week, which is uh, the whole thing about the Ray movie and the director with that. That's so, what it is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So completely inescapable. Uh, we will be talking about that as well. And um, but firstly, I just want to kick it off with the Aquaman or Aquaman box office because I know oh, if man. I don't say Aquaman, people. Uh, people in America get really annoyed at me, Greg. They're like, it's aqua. And I'm like, okay, mate, we just say different things depending on, on where we live in the world. But yeah, that's past $300 million worldwide. It's now what? the highest grossing DCEU movie this side of the pandemic. It's what? outdone Black Adam. It's likely going to break even and come in around $500 million. But I'm kind of hoping that it, it breaks the billion, Greg. And it just has Warner Brothers thinking, hmm, maybe we should go back to that plan. And they do 10 more years of just messing about and getting everything wrong and just doing complete reactionary stuff where they don't know what movie they're making next and it's just quickly edit it to make it a comedy and then when the comedy goes downhill they're like no quick edit the next one and make it really dark i can't wait to see how well this does man this is so bad <laughs> i can't get over the dcu failing so bad it's i mean it's fine it's better it did better than i think right is that the conversation now that people are now happy yeah that it's doing better. It's like, oh my god, it's not as egregiously terrible as we thought. This is still not great. I don't care what anyone says. This is still not great. Yeah, I mean, when it's beating the MCU, I mean, hats off to them at, at DC Studios. They finally got their wish and they they beat Marvel at something. So congratulations, guys. Um, quick correction from last time. We need to print a retraction, Greg. I'm a bit annoyed, uh, but uh, you might remember last week on the podcast we kept slagging off Skydance when we were talking about Scream. Just kept going, Skydance are absolutely shit. Uh, but yeah, it turns out it was Spyglass. So I don't ever think that Tom Cruise is going to be uh, coming on oh, the podcast shit. anytime soon, Greg, because uh, that's Damn. his company, obviously, and we we spent the last 20 minutes of last week's podcast getting everything wrong. But that's why we're the premier number one podcast on movies on a Tuesday evening released at 8 p.m. on a specific time, because that's, that, that's how we do, Greg. But... But did it create engagement in the comments? Did it creating? Did people come and police us? Yeah, they did. But you know what? I, I a lot of people think that's good engagement that people are constantly correcting you. But I'm just always kind of embarrassed by yeah, it, and really I personally terrible. don't think it's good engagement because people are like these guys are idiots and don't know what they're talking about. But at least we kind of admit it, Greg. Now, yeah. someone who hasn't really admitted to much things is Jonathan Majors. Uh, earlier in the week, it, it, well, not it was kind of towards the end of last week, sort of this week. Um, Coleman Domingo, he was rumored as being recast as Kang in the MCU. I think that's great um, casting. I think he's a brilliant actor. Sure. Fear the Walking Dead, fantastic in uh, Euphoria. He, he Euphoria. there was yeah during the pandemic there was an episode where they had to really pull back the cast and just have 
two characters basically for the whole episode and that was Zendaya and Coleman's character and they just sat in a diner F- blew my mind that whole episode that was fantastic um and yeah yeah exactly um and I think he would be great in the role I mean everything about the guy he just oozes charisma he's got a sort of I don't know that it feels like there's some he, he's very intelligent the way he comes across um but he, he doesn't often say that much but you can see him working away mentally and it just kind of creates a a character that I feel would be perfect for a villain where it's kind of like you can tell there's a lot going on beneath the surface and he's just bringing it to the forefront now Jonathan it's Majors a commanding voice though I want to throw that in there his his voice yeah. just uh, that bravado in there the baritone yeah. I mean bravado <laughs> baritone yeah He's got a ra- sort of raspiness to it that really kind of, you know, he, can, he's, he does a lot with it. Um, he's a fantastic actor. And I think a lot of people, when they hear yeah. this news, you know, Denzel gets thrown out there a lot. There's a lot of actors that often get brought up. But this was the first one that I really heard where I was like, okay, this would be a big, big thing for the franchise. I think, you know, Denzel yeah. would be be great in the role. Um, but I think we'd know it was Denzel, you know what I mean? Because he's such a big sure. star. Whereas I think, I think Coleman could completely fit into that role. But perhaps, you know, maybe there's not going to be a recast as yet yeah, Jonathan Majors has come out and done this interview with Good Morning America as of recording this. Um, the, the, Greg, um, the cynical side of me says that Disney are just completely milking this whole thing because apparently what they're doing is they're releasing it in four segments and then they're releasing a fifth exclusive segment on Hulu that is kind of a, a an end end sort of conversation thing. Um, Wait, and I just a, find are you, it. Are you making a joke? That's real. I I did not know any of that. They're really doing it that way. Yeah. That, so they've split it up. Um, they're releasing it like that. And yeah, it's kind of wild because yeah, Disney obviously owned Good Morning America. So basically, what Disney have done is they fired him and then got him back on to do the tell all interview about the firing. It brings a whole new meaning to the phrase exit interview. Personally, yeah. I'm not sure of the optics of firing someone because they harm your company's reputation, and but then bringing them on and giving them a platform to be like, well, we, we had to get let go of you because you were causing too much controversy for us, but uh, here's a tell-all interview in which, uh, yeah, you, you're going to get a chance to speak and stuff. So obviously there's been a lot of um, stuff on the internet about it. I, I, again, I personally think if you're going to cut ties with someone, then cut ties with them. Don't cut yeah. ties and then try make money off their downfall and release it in four segments with an exclusive <laughs> end part on Hulu. But what are your thoughts on it, Greg? I'm blown away by what you just told me. I had no idea about that uh, that they were really because I I knew we were going to talk about it a little bit. Today. I'll have to double check it, Greg, because I don't want to be printing another retraction. <laughs> hey, is it creating engagement? <laughs> is it because there are comments? Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm okay with with that. Uh, but no, I, mean, I heard it from another that. YouTuber. <laughs> that is insane to me if they are doing that there is before you know i i don't know exactly know what uh the conversation was about doing the good morning america thing i, I thought it was a little like ridiculous because it did feel like, the way they were advertising it did feel like something the boys would parody and i did see you know the at the time of recording this uh there were two parts that were on the good morning america youtube channel so i i watched those uh beforehand and i've intentionally avoided uh, the whatever you know twitter is saying because i just i haven't looked at anything of what people's responses have been to it it's a fascinating interview 
to me because I think he's trying to obviously do like damage control. He feels like he needs to talk about things. And it, it seems like he, the interviews, the kind of, if you believe he's, he shouldn't have been found guilty, you're going to probably really like this interview. If you feel like, no, he deserved to be found guilty, then you're going to have a completely different type of opinion on this interview, right? Like it's just the way it, it goes, especially what he's doing here, because it doesn't take, at the end of the day, it's, it's one of those things where, in my opinion, like, again, this is my opinion. I'm an expert here. I'm just going off of what the interview itself was doing that I felt there, there could have been some level of accountability. Like they even acknowledge in there that he wasn't found guilty of intention of like intending to harm her at, at, at all. Right. And, and I think that's something that I'm glad they really emphasize that. Because when Jonathan Majors was first arrested, th the instant image that was put out was like, oh, my God, is this guy like a domestic terrorist? Is, is he like a violent abuser? Like all the things that you I don't know, think they said night. domestic terrorist, did they, Greg? No, I don't think that was the word. You I'm saying the domestic uh, abuser. <laughs> did I say domestic? <laughs> you said domestic terrorist. I'm like I instant demonetization right there. Uh. Maybe we mute it and have people think what I said, and then we create mm. engagement and people go, what did Greg actually type? Uh, that's the goal here, just to create engagement off of wrong things stated today. The, But anyway, my, my point is that people thought like he was probably this like violent, egregious guy. And what he was found guilty of, like they stated in there that, you know, it, it was something along the lines of he didn't intend. It was, an, it was an accident, essentially. It was like reckless behavior, but he, it wasn't an intention of harm. And I think there could, and I, th I think a lot of us are understanding enough to to the point. Even for those who, like on my end, I'm hearing, I'm going, yeah. I mean, like, I've seen it happen so many times with toxic couples. Doesn't make it okay, you know. It's sometimes an, an accident might happen in, in in a situation, but that doesn't mean they intended to harm the person. And I, I I think he didn't take. There was one part in the interview where where she did question him, like, how'd she get this? Um, they showed the photos. How'd she get this injury? And he just pauses for a long time. He's like, I wish I knew, or I don't know. And it was in that point where I feel like it kind of could have done him a little bit of goodwill if he just admitted I, I it yeah. was an, an accident occurred, you know, but it wasn't intentional. There was a moment where he gets sort of almost put towards saying sorry, but what he says is, I just shouldn't have been in the car. I shouldn't have been in the relationship rather than saying I, I should be sorry for, for doing that. And I mean, I mean, Look, the verdict is what it is. Um, we've kind of not waited that much on it. I personally always think these interviews, no matter what, are always pretty much a bad look. And there's a number of instances where this has happened. Um, I remember, you know, Alec Baldwin did one after the shooting on Rust. Uh, Jesse Smollett did one. Prince Andrew's done one. Amber Heard did one. Or Kelly did one. And I think I personally believe that a lot of, you know, Actors and celebrities are known for being e egotistical and vain. And I think a lot of the time these interviews are sort of made with that in mind where it's kind of, how will I look in an interview? This is a chance for me to save exactly. my reputation and come back. And I think they make the wrong choice in going this route um, because it can often, you know, that, that narcissism almost can kind of jump off the screen. And I, I do feel some of the things that Majors said did slip a bit towards making him sound narcissistic almost. Um, I think he's a fantastic actor. I'm I'm not 
when I heard the verdict, I was like, okay, I, that doesn't actually sound bad when you completely break it down. It sounds more accidental from what they've said. Um, it was an intentional assault. It was caused by him. It was something along those lines where it wasn't necessarily um, assault carried out with intention to harm or something along those lines. Yeah. But when he when he's bringing up, you know, again, bringing up Martin Luther King and the civil rights and stuff, and it, it just kind of takes it down the direction that developed in the trial when we heard the voice recordings and how he was saying he was a great man and he wanted his girlfriend and partner to be like someone like Michelle Obama or something. And it's kind of like, look, you need to pull back from the situation and realize you're just a person. You've been given these opportunities in life. You've messed them up. But it doesn't make you th yeah. this great man just because you're an actor. And this is kind of this interview didn't paint him out in the best light, I don't think. And a lot of people have been saying it's like the boys. And there's so many different levels to that because Vaught in that is obviously a corporation that can, you know what I mean, spin the narrative a certain way. They control all their talent, which you could see Disney being akin to. I mean, if you look at corporations, Disney are pretty much Vaught at this point. And to have them basically doing a deep interview um on it was it's very surreal um especially the trailer that was kind of weird and it just kind of feels like they've misjudged the situation on this now i was thinking when that trailer released i was thinking well this trailer is really corny and kind of comes across 90s but disney and good morning america can they can control the edit so they can very much control the narrative but even seeing it edited it didn't come across that well i don't think and there wasn't anything that i think if you'd looked at the trial, there wasn't anything that you gained from this. And honestly, I mean, coming out of the trial, I was actually not, I wasn't like rooted on Majors' side, but I, I, I did have sympathy for him and think, oh, look, by the sounds of it, this has been, you know, he hasn't intentionally done this thing. He's ran away from um, the person who was accusing him. He's clearly tried to get out of the situation. But then seeing, you know, the, the messages, the recordings, and then this on top of it, it's kind of like, uh, it's, it's difficult to to really, you know what I mean, go on that side. And I think what we heard in the, the aftermath of the trial was that the jury weighed in a lot on the more existential information um, rather than necessarily what happened on the night. And even when he's getting questions like, did you, so he, he got something like, did you break her heart? He said something like, not, I broke her heart, but not her body or something. It was along those lines. And it's just kind of, yeah. It's very surreal about, seeing these sort of things. This question about he harmed her physically, and he talked about how he like heart hurt her heart, and yeah, which is yeah, it, yeah, it, it, it focused it, on the emotional abusive side of the relationship, and um, you know the the power that he demonstrated there, which yeah, I mean it it shows. It it's again it's a it's a lack of accountability, you know, yeah. saying I broke her heart. It's not really like. You know, I mean, me and you could say we broke some girls' hearts, you know what I mean, Greg? It doesn't necessarily paint us out as being hor horrendous, horrible people. Yeah. It might just some, I'm sure I broke a lot of listeners' hearts when I come out with all my dumb opinions. But um, you know what I mean? It, it, it's less, it, it's completely, it's, saying that you hurt someone physically is like a completely another level, especially when it's a partner. And trying to kind of, not even taking accountability for it, saying like, oh, you know, it was an accident. I, I, it unfortunately happened. I should have been. <laughs> yeah. It, you should, that's all you need to say just show some accountability towards it um and don't kind of try and dodge yeah. everything i, I think to, sorry just to interject is that i i think like to summarize what you're saying is of what i of like doing these interviews especially when you do them the timing of when you do them 
it, it I, we're at a point now where we understand media, like most of us, where we it just reads to some degree of insincere. There's some part of us that reads this as like there's there's a I feel like I'm watching some PR thing. I don't I don't really feel like I'm watching uh, an interview that is truly stemming from the heart in some way. You know, like even like the wiping of the tear and stuff like that. And and especially when you're an actor, you're even more likely to be questioned on how sincere is this shit because you're known to be performative. You're known to channel emotions. You're known to put up an act. And I, I think that, yeah, the, the idea of doing this like right away, like, I think this might have been more effective and felt more real if it was like a more of a sit down thing like months later or some shit, but not like not now. Um, it, it just feels like panic induced and and a big P- I feel like I'm watching a PR thing. You could feel the notes of like, don't admit yeah. to this. Don't say this. You, you could just feel all that. And it's, uh, it's really, so you get the bullshit pickup and that, that will outshine anything that is sincere. Yeah, I think just the setting in general as well. It's it is very staged. You know, you know the lighting's at a certain point, so it looks kind of it looks more like a closed set when there's probably a lot of people standing around them. The way they're kind of putting chairs and stuff that does mm-hmm. take away sort of the the naturalistic side of it. Um, and it just it does paint a sort of awkwardness because it's rare that you actually sit down like that and speak with someone. And I think you're right, I think you're completely right about it sounding like a PR thing. Disney didn't really well. I got told off for saying that uh, Good Morning America are like a totally different thing to Disney, even though Disney own them. No, I, I do think Disney have final say over this stuff. And it, it, just looking at how it's split up, Greg, um, I have got the information on it. So Good Morning America will be airing clips of it, and then ABC will be airing the extended interview <sighs> on Prime with Lindsay Davis um, at 7 p.m. ET. Wow. So I mean that's cross network. It's this not is so it is clearly ugly. controlled by Disney. Oh yeah, my it's clearly controlled God. by Disney. So all the people who were, who when I put out my first thoughts on it, they were like, no, but they're different sides. Well Disney's clearly got the hand in it because they're 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 doing it across network. Um oh, that is so yeah so they are ugly, splitting man. it up. I had no idea about yeah. any of that. Oh, that's so ugly. And I think if it wasn't on Disney, well, good morning America again. But they were clearly throwing softball questions at him. There wasn't really anything getting into the nitty grits of it. Like even throwing a question like, well, if, if someone did this to your girlfriend or your mother, what do you think should happen to them? Do you think they should still work again? You know what I mean? And that kind of catches them in the situation yeah. where they, they have to talk about what they would, how they would view it happening to someone else. And that's, that's often when you get the more honest um, things it's often something judges do in trials when someone's protesting their their innocence and they say well you, you say you haven't committed this murder but if someone had committed it what sentence would you give them and then the judge kind of throws a curveball at them and if they go life in prison that's a, like well we think you did it so you get life in prison mate congratulations you decided it yourself um so yeah it just felt like a weird pr move and that, yeah, I just, I don't know why he did this. I mean, again, nothing really came out that we didn't already know. And I think in general, it just kind of paints him out in a negative light because people are dunking on him now and doing memes about it and making him kind of the butt of the joke. And you can guarantee that SNL right now, they're probably sat writing the, the most mid script for a skit that you've ever seen, Greg. They're yeah. literally typing away right now, trying to get something together for Saturday night live. He probably had more passionate defenders before this. Like he, he did have a, a, a there, there was a big passionate defense base 
around this, even for those acknowledging like what he was found guilty of. There's there, at the end of the day, it is that there you can have multiple opinions on this. I I think so. A lot at a time you're dealing with the internet, so of course you're going to be dealing with a lot of like just black and white opinions all the time. And we have the opportunity to discuss, whereas usually you're dealing with like a comment box thread or someone's quick sentences, whatever. And I, I think that the one of the craziest parts to me is like at the end of the day, one thing in the trial that the, did show for sure is he did call the cops to help her out. And, and he didn't do like why she was in the closet. And what, like, that's what I was getting at at the beginning of this conversation is that when the cops were first called and then he got arrested. Um, there was a completely different type of assumption narrative that was forming around him on that. And it wasn't as bad as we all thought. So it's just, it is crazy to think that, oh, wow, he called the cops to help her out and it led to all of this shit, you know? Uh, it's, it's, just, it's just six. And now how they're taking advantage of it, like, it's like Disney's like, you screwed us over with the whole King situation and, and our other movie that's coming out. Now we're going to milk your. Your trial, yeah. <laughs> it's it's that's real corporations ugly, for you, man. mate. Ugly as hell, man. Yeah, it's so ugly. Corporations will pick you up, get all the money they can out of you, and then completely drop you. Now he was asked if he's gonna thinks he's gonna work again. He said he hopes so. It's God's plan that he does, um, and he thinks that it's God's timing. I hope that other people think that as well. So he says, I do. I pray I do work again. It's God's plan and God's timing. I think I do. Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, and that was in regard to whether he he got asked if he deserves a second chance as well. And that's, uh, you know, that's up to the studios. That's up to the audiences as well. I just think constantly, you know, invoking God and the civil rights movements and Coretta Scott King, that that's kind of, he, yeah. He's it, an actor. It, it, he's not, he's not them. <laughs> That's the part of yeah, it. I'm like, it's, dude, you're not Martin Luther King. Like, you're a great yeah. actor. I get it. And I understand the, the what I, I there's a degree where I understand the importance of what you're talking about in terms of representation uh, of your people. But then at the yeah. same time, like you're you're not Martin Luther King, that you're not doing this act. And and there has to yeah. be some type of self-awareness in what you are saying, you know, and, and at least convey that self-awareness. Yeah. During the pandemic, one of my uncles, he constantly invoked World War Two. Any time he had a chance to bring up World War Two, you didn't. It didn't matter. It just anything you'd say. Oh, we're in lockdown. He'd be like, oh, it's just like World War II. It's too. Like, look, uncle, you you're like fifty years old, mate. You weren't even alive when that happened. And I actually reached out to one of my friends who was American who lives over here, and I was like, you know, in America, do do people constantly invoke? world war ii and bring that up in conversation because you guys were you guys fought in it as well and they're like nah it's purely just a british thing but yeah during the pandemic any chance a politician or someone got to bring up world war ii they'd be bloody bringing them up um and that's kind of what i sort of feel like with jonathan majors and you know coretta scott king and stuff yeah. and martin luther king it's kind of i'm just calling back to a time that people feel very emotionally attached to and yeah i'm trying to kind of play on people's sympathies we should ask the audience though man does the audience here do our listeners think that jonathan majors deserves a second chance in hollywood now later down the road i gotta ask yeah gotta i mean let's not be like let's be honest the guy is really talented and you know talent in these situations can often beat a lot of things and there are several actors and musicians who've done terrible things like mark Wahlberg had a really like if you look yeah. up what happened with him his case um josh brolin's another example and there are these redemption stories um but i think the first 
place that stems from is taking accountability and uh, actually apologizing and saying what you did wrong, which this interview to me didn't necessarily come across that way. Now they are doing an extended version of it. So, you know, they, they could drop a segment in that where it completely changes the narrative, but off these clips they've released. Yeah. I'm not sure, but obviously let us know below guys. And at uh, Disney are having an absolutely brilliant week in terms of PR, Greg. As the Star Wars Ray movie, uh, I don't know if you've been on the internet this week, guys, but whew, dear mate, there's been just non-stop back and forth about it. Um, so director of the Ray movie, Shamin Obey-Chinoid, she came out and said, I'm very thrilled about the project because I feel what we're about to create is something very special. We're in 2024 now, and it's about time that we had a woman come forward to shape a story in a galaxy far, far away. What? <laughs> How dare she? So, yeah. Well, Greg, I just thought it was pretty crazy that um, <laughs> I think Disney have kind of almost painted themselves into a corner with the way they market stuff at the moment, which is where every single thing has to be the first time that's happened. And it doesn't really matter how minuscule it is. Now, she never mentioned direct in the whole comment, but people have obviously attributed that to her, meaning that she's directing a film. And because obviously we've had Bryce Dallas Howard did a lot of the Mandalorian episodes, Deborah Chow. In terms of shaping the Star Wars universe, Greg, and being a woman, I don't know if you've uh, heard of this Hollywood executive before, but there's actually a very famous executive attached to Star Wars. She's called Kathleen Kennedy, Greg. I don't know if you've... uh, Kathleen Kennedy? (laughs) That's a name I haven't heard in a very long time. I feel like I, there's some tumor in my brain that I've just that has formed out of suppression from not wanting to deal yeah. with people about it. Yeah, Kathleen Greg, Kennedy, that's familiar. As soon as I saw that, I put out a tweet saying I can already tell what the discourse around the next Ray movie is going to around the Ray movie is going to be for the next two years, and I'm already exhausted. I'm ready yet, for it. it yeah, the floodgates unleashed. There's been hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of videos on it, um, lots of comments on it. Now, let's be honest, Greg. Star Wars fans are sensitive. Now, when I say that word sensitive, yeah, there is a negative connotation. There's a negative connotation around it, and I don't mean it in a bad way, right? I think it can be good to be sensitive. I think sensitivity for Star Wars, that comes from a place of love. And being a fan that's seen what this franchise has gone through. And I think I speak to everyone when I say I just want this franchise handled with respect. And I, I don't feel like I, 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 it should be handed over to someone who's going to, you know, be like anger people on purpose and being annoying. And obviously there was a clip that surfaced where she said she likes making men feel uncomfortable. Now, to be fair, that came from eight years ago and it was... Um, in, in in context, it was talking about a documentary about certain things that were being carried out in Pakistan where men were attacking women and stuff. So I, I feel like we should just disregard those comments, Greg, and kind of draw a line in the sand under it because cancel That's, culture in general, the people who stand out against that are like, look, this thing happened five years ago, happened 10 years ago. Just leave it, mate. Just leave it. So I think in regards to that, we should do that. I'm, However, I'm glad you, Greg... I do, I, I have to say, man, I'm glad you clarified that. I am glad because okay. like even even this morning when I was looking up stuff about it, I, I thought those comments were in relation to the Star Wars movie initially. 
And and then it was someone else pointed that out to me and some random comment. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, but everyone who's talking about this is making it sound like she just said this shit about this movie. And and yeah. uh yeah, and I'm like, it's a completely well, different thing she's associated with, you know. Well, that's the problem with the internet is that everything right. on the internet's forever. Rachel Zegler is a great example of that because when she said that stuff about <laughs> Snow White, uh, that was like November last year or something. And, no, not even November last year, November 2022. Nobody cared, right. Greg. And then it got brought up again, and it just kind of these clips can be played in certain contexts. Um, yeah. Personally, I don't know if I was a billion dollar corporation that's looking to bring the fan base together, a, a fan base that I actually looked up, and it's 60% men, 40% women. I Jesus. don't know, right? If I was the head of a billion dollar corporation trying to make family friendly stuff, if I would hire someone who who is going to cause controversy. Personally, you know, I was thinking about it the other day. I think John Favreau is like literally the perfect person to hire in almost every situation. He was such a get for Disney because he doesn't come out and say controversial things. He doesn't come out and piss people off. He makes bangers as well. Talking Iron Man 1. The Lion King made over a billion dollars. Who was behind the Mandalorian, Greg? Bloody John Favreau. John Favreau uh, is your man. He's underappreciated. He underrated. makes billion dollar movies all the yeah. time. Um, he never comes out and says stuff like this. So not not just being a man and not just being a white dude. I'm just talking from the way he carries himself in a professional manner. Now I don't if Star Wars fans again, they are gonna jump on these sort of things. Um, but I just feel like Hollywood in general are just hitting a point where they're so obsessed with race and gender that it's almost exhausting to just not, if you're not obsessed with that stuff and they are obsessed with it and it just, it's, it becomes the talking points over the actual products. And for people who aren't just wanting an entertaining time, it's, you just see these two sides arguing back and forth. And it's like, I, I can't put up with two years of this, Greg, I just can't do it. I know well, it's the, not difficult for me. There's a lot of people going through struggles right now, but yeah. it just it's exhausting to report on. I mean, on, I feel like on social media, gender especially uh, is, is a big topic of conversation in real world um, struggles that go on, race and gender. And I, so, you know, like, it, and Disney is known to placate to like progressive pandering. That's the freaking weird part to me <laughs> because <laughs> the, I, I have no issue at all, like with a woman directing Star Wars or any of that. And I'm like, that's no. awesome. That's great. Like, let's let's see what she does. It's awesome. Bryce Dallas um, Howard b- right. brought us some of the best Mando episodes Absolutely. we've ever had. I was excited for Patty Jenkins' Rogue Squadron movie or whatever the hell yeah. she's making. I, I was excited for that. And and uh, I I think that the issue that Disney's in, and this is kind of odd that this statement will be released uh, off the heels of Bob Iger talking about you know not wanting to be so much about um, met leading with messaging uh, and, and just make the movies entertaining. And then this movie gets announced and this is like what happens uh, right here where that does become like the, there is there, it does become the focus of conversation. And right now, Star Wars, especially uh, I think out of them all, out of any of the franchises, uh, there's been a lot of just that, that discussion of, you know, and with the Pandaverse coming out, just shining more of a light on it and being such a big topic of conversation in the zeitgeist, that first off, here's the weird part to me. When a, 
a lot of the times we hear about like the messaging and pandering and that doesn't even seem like that's usually when we see the final product that that is yeah. most of the runtime <laughs> you know like that that it's taking up all of it it's it'll be there a little bit but it's not everything <laughs> in the way how we you know uh we we might be initially led to believe a lot of times things it's all everyone like, fucking talks about for two years yeah. greg yeah it, it, so then it it feels more magnified even if it's not even there in a macro sense when you're watching the movie you know uh, or the show and then when you say something like this then it, it automatically puts the audience members who are exposed to this kind of conversation in the lens of watching it with the perspective of awareness that oh there's going to be like woman messaging here <laughs> and you might even read more into things than you might you might not have read into it prior if you didn't hear shit like this beforehand you know and it it's not i don't feel like it was the smartest move to do that like i i think that there is something cool about like a woman finally getting to direct a star wars movie i i think that's awesome that we because women have yeah. been involved in star wars uh you know as characters behind the scenes there you know a lot of people coming out being like yeah with like Emp shaping empire strikes back uh, uh i, I forget new hope well new hope was Marcia that lucas pretty much saved a new hope in the editing room she was the one who basically shaped i think people exactly. are getting annoyed about the word shape it's like it's good for a woman yeah. to finally shape the star wars universe now, shaping can be behind the camera, like Marsha Lucas editing exactly. it, you know, Kathleen Kennedy, and um, whether you agree or disagree with her choices. But shaping it can also be in front of the camera as well. Princess Leia is a big female character, probably one of the, exactly. like, the big female characters when you think about it. You know, Natalie Portman's had a, a big career that was built off the back of Star Wars. Um, there's, there's lots of characters that you can okay. point to. So just the word shape i think shape is what i think people really got caught up on yeah and and we can get pedantic about certain things and you got to like treat these things with the mo the utmost sensitivity i i think when with statements you release or or things you say because things get blown so out of proportion and like you i'm already uh vexed by the vortex of <laughs> just darkness that is it's already happening over 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 like a, this statement and the statement from years ago <laughs> that i yeah from from the videos i've seen or been or the conversations i've seen erupting they're lumping them together so much to the point where they i i i don't i didn't realize until this morning that 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 what she said about making men upset was because when I first heard them, I'm like, oh, man, why would you fucking do that right now? Like, that's what I first thought. And, and I didn't realize that that was an age old clip, <laughs> you know, and then people are just going to pull that shit. I, I, I'm a, yeah. I am. I am tired of it. I'm, I'm already like, well, Jesus. Are, <laughs> I do think it is fair that people look at your past work and comments maybe when deciding stuff. But to be fair, what she was talking about was, I don't really think once you like I I looked into it today and there was literally a woman with like who had serious acid burns on her face because someone had thrown acid in her face that was part of the documentary and it was kind of like oh this is what she was reporting on and what the right things she was pointing out so it's not necessarily I, I think everyone can agree that that's a, a very bad thing to do so that's what she was talking about um I think in general though what I'm kind of fed up with is 
sort of corporations and creatives giving themselves a pat on the back because you know they're not as sexist as they were six months ago and they're hiring people and that they could have easily hired down the line and now they're like oh look how progressive and great we are and it's like well no you you didn't give these opportunities in the past and now you're only doing it because you think that you can make money from it i personally don't think that moves like this ever do make money i I don't think that there's a a large part of the audience that will now go see the ray movie who weren't going to go and see it because there's a, a woman directing it um and i think if this is what's getting pushed it almost makes me lose confidence in the actual story because if that was what was good then you'd be talking about that um so yeah i think just it was sort of a almost a tone deaf statement because the meaning behind it was that basically women have been overlooked in star wars but by saying that you're now the first person to shape star wars you're overlooking all the women that have shaped star wars and yeah it was uh yeah, it's been that with a, a lot of backlash um I, I think reacher is a really good way to kind of make a mass appeal show um and it's not because there's a big hench white dude in it if you look at the side characters um, they've got you know there's a woman of color who's like his best friend who's extremely skilled at everything kind of takes the lead on stuff you could easily come out and push that as being like look how inclusive and diverse we are and, and they don't they just let the story tell itself you grow to love these characters and it doesn't become a big talking point and they just keep it part of the plot because they don't want to make the audience feel like they're dickheads they don't want to come out and be like oh you guys are bloody troublemakers but we're here to show you the way because Six months ago, we wouldn't do this, but uh, we've hired a person now and we're really progressive and we're going to look down on you. Um, Roscoe in season one and Richard, that's another you right. know highly competent woman. She's good at stuff. Uh, yeah, it, it's just kind of, uh, that's more the way I think they should do it. And I feel like when they come out with these talking points, it's sort of, you just know what the narrative's going to be and what the conversation's going to be. And it just kind of drains the life out of it because I want to be excited for a Star Wars film, but I just think, there's so much division within the fan base at the moment, and it is caused by just people arguing back and forth about stupid, meaningless stuff that often doesn't even end up in the film. Exactly. And yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's just it's just exhausting, Greg. People yeah. are probably exhausting for us talking about it, but yeah, yeah. And women have a hard enough time as it is, man. <laughs> like Jesus Christ. No, to be fair. I think like there's yeah you can I mean both sexes you know they've got the benefit the pros and cons to being a sex on both sides um but yeah it's kind of like oh, not this again more of this I'm sick of it Greg Dis- I don't I just don't know what Disney are doing because they're hiring people who are openly going to do talking points that are going to annoy people but they're giving them the budgets and projects that should be mass appeal when you look at like those original Star Wars films and the allegories that like George, there was that great sit that interview that you know with like George Lucas and James Cameron, where George Lucas was you know even uh, emphasizing more so of the 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 allegories he was drawing with real life war, and I think that often gets overlooked, it, even though the, when the movie came out, it made might have been more a little more apparent, but that doesn't seem like it was the main topic of conversation, and. There's something about this that the movies don't, the movies and shows don't do this, but it almost feels like that with some of the messaging they do, or that it feels like direct messaging to the point where they're almost turning to the camera and saying it to you, as opposed to telling some type of allegorical tale. And I think we could always get on board with the allegorical tale. And I think even in terms of PR, 
there's a time and a place depending on what the movie is or show is we're talking about representation of a sex or a race or your gender whatever uh will behoove the film will will be beneficial for it and there's also a time to realize like maybe we shouldn't be doing it for this particular one right now because we know I think it's how pre and post. Yeah. I think yeah. once the movie releases, you kind of go back and analyze it and be like, what do you mean? Aliens was actually a Vietnam war metaphor. What do you mean? Yeah. Starship troopers had all this political stuff in it. I didn't, I totally missed all that. Yeah, um, and I think post no one cares. It's, it's often in the build up to it when it's like Hollywood patting themselves yeah. on the back and telling you how, terrible you are as a person if you don't immediately want to support this stuff because it does sort of feel like they do say like if you don't support this you are a piece of shit basically yeah um and it's a weird marketing tactic but disney don't seem to have learned their lesson and they seem to be going ahead with it and just continuing and yeah but anyway greg what have you been drinking this week to get your energy up oh this g fuel man my gosh G Fuel. If you guys use the promo code in the description box, you get yourself twenty percent off select tubs. It has been extremely helpful. I think uh, you have you might have seen it happen just in this video alone, where I was a little tired, and now I am more energetic. Uh, thanks for so much. Thanks to this, we filmed this at a time where it is the um, worst time for my mentality. Monday morning, that is usually my yeah. least sharp time, so I'm usually drinking a G Fuel here. So it, the times where I'm like I'm my most natural best, I feel like was when we film on like a Saturday or whatever. But on a Monday, I'm gonna need my G Fuel, plain and simple. We got marathons like Echo to get through. Gonna need my G Fuel, and everyone who comes on Real Rejects, they all drink G Fuel now. I have converted; it is my new religion, and I really stand yeah. by it as a big helpful tool. I, I full heartedly mean it. I, I I I drink them every single day. I drink your G Fuel. <laughs> I drink them all the time. Yeah. All the old school references these days, man. Love it. And if you guys want to see how much you love it too, that link is in the description. You're going to get a discount. It helps out the channel. What more do you want, guys? You get, we're giving you discounts on stuff. That's great. So yeah, fantastic job there, Greg. I love that G Fuel gives you the power to naturally integrate mm -hmm. advertisements for, for G Fuel. Brilliant. Now, Golden Globes, Greg, is going to be our last topic of the night because it's a big one. It's a big one to go through. Did you watch it? I watched enough of it where I can participate in the conversation. I'll tell you that much. Brilliant. Especially yeah. as uh, a half Filipino who mainly identifies with his Filipino side because they all stand out here. Joe Coy was a big part of my night last night, I'll tell you that much, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got some good news for you, Greg. He's went, he's trending all over Twitter. Yeah. Might not be for the best reasons, but yeah, uh, yeah he's put you guys on the map. You guys are. Uh, Joe Coy. <laughs> yeah. Feel proud of it. Pride and joy. <laughs> so, yeah, best film drama winner was Bloody Oppenheimer. And I tell you what, Christopher Nolan came out, he gave his speech, he dedicated it to Heath Ledger. Um, he also talked about how when he was, he said the last time he was on that stage was picking up Heath Ledger's Golden yeah. Globe for The Dark Knight um, after he died. And he said he looked over in the crowd and there was Robert Downey Jr. looking back at him and just giving him a little little wink to say like, good on you, mate. We're here for you to support you. And he said, 
And obviously, Downey Jr.'s beat was a massive part of Oppenheimer as well. And it was just a nice, a really nice moment. I, I love Oppenheimer. I think it's a fantastic film. I think the guy's, you know, he's made so many seminal movies. I'm so glad to see him win yeah. this. You know, the Golden Globes is very much the the run-up to the Oscars, I would say. It's kind of, you know, uh, where you sort of get the feeling about who's going to win what. And, and most of the time, you know, I'd say 90% of the time, the award winners are the same. I um, mean, yeah. I hope a guy wins the Oscar. He deserves that as well, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, th- I think Oppenheimer is the perfect marriage for audiences to, for, to get excited about and for the film nuts who actually give a shit about this stuff. Like, I, I care more to just read who won than watch the ceremony. I yeah. think the ceremonies are usually pretty boring. Yeah, I think they're pretty boring. I might look up like certain acceptance speeches, um, and I look for like some like the monologue, but there uh, there's a lot I just don't watch. Um, and I mean, Oppenheim- most of it's chopped up now on Twitter, so all the highlights yeah. you basically get to see the next day anyway. Exactly, the best stuff you can watch because you know they do these uh, the Oscars and Golden Globes. They've been trying to incorporate stuff because they know their viewership's been dying, and 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 the pandemic didn't help them out at all. So. They've been trying to do some shit to make things more interesting to appeal with like Justice League winning audience award or something. I don't know. And, and now they have like cinematic achievement. Yeah, they have these these types of um, box office juggernaut appeal awards to try to, yeah. you know, appease people who don't normally watch this shit because they're not part of the prestigious category or whatever. Right. And Oppenheimer, though, it's um, historical, epic biopic, you know, and but it, but it's also Christopher Nolan. So you also get like grand scale and it's a billion dollar hit. It, it's it is the film that I feel like awards season has been like, thank you. We needed this or we can get mainstream audiences interested in one of these is normal normally like these. The films that are winning the awards are becoming like the the juggernauts are are often um you know the the prestigious more niche type of films that cinephiles are more into but not like huge mainstream audiences and this is the yeah. the film where you're like oh we can appease this is the one where we can appease everyone we got Robert Downey Jr. here man he was Iron Man people like Iron Man and he's great in it the part I'm seeing on social media that's surprising me granted I have not seen every film in the supporting actor category but suddenly i'm seeing like conversations of oh i'm surprised robert Downey jr won uh, and i when that movie came out I, I felt like everyone was saying he deserves an oscar nomination for it but now that he yeah. won people are going why why him you know i mean it's usually what, what happens right someone wins and then there's people arguing about why this other person should have won and that's the weird part to me of the award well, we'll get into that as well Greg. all right sweet then let's do it. But yeah, Oppenheimer. So full awards that it won. Um, best picture, best director for Christopher Nolan, best actor for Killian Murphy, Woo! best um, yeah, best supporting actor for Robert Downey Jr., uh, best original score as well. And yeah, I think that was so. Yeah, it won. Obviously, that score is a banger as well, Greg. I tell you what, I put that, I put that oh. on my headphones sometimes and just listen to it. What a score! Um, so the best film, musical or comedy, the winner was Poor Things. I've not seen it, but it's quite a controversial one because some of the topics in it. I've just mainly seen the outrage around it, Greg. I've not yeah, seen it, though. 
Uh, but basically, they put a baby's brain into a woman's body and then have her do woman womanly things with men. And people are kicking off about that and saying it, it's disgraceful. I see why it's controversial. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous plot. Yeah. It's a Frankenstein yeah. remake, isn't it? Um, best actress yeah. was Lily Gladstone for Killers of the Flower Moon. Awesome. Fantastic. Yeah, I think she deserved that. Uh, that was uh, lead actress, right? Not supporting? Uh, yeah, best lead actress, that one. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and then best actress, musical or comedy. Why are they breaking it into like best actress and then best actress, musical or comedy? Uh, but that was Emma Stone for Poor Things. Yeah. So it sounds like it's really sweeping the board there. Best actor, musical or comedy was Paul Giamatti. Uh, who did get spotted in In-N-Out Burger after just sitting in his tuxedo having a, an In-N-Out Burger. He was in and out of there quick. <laughs> Have you ever had an In-N-Out Burger, Greg? I've never had one of those. Oh, my God. Paul, a couple of years ago, I gave up meat. The only thing that will tempt me to going back to getting meat is when I sniff an In-N-Out drive through Whenever they open up an In-N-Out in what the state. What are you doing through the drive through <laughs> No, it's like I might just be. You don't understand, man. This, you have not passed it in and out. You could just smell it, in, like the burgers uh, when you're if you're just in traffic in L.A. and you're in the street, it's right there next to you. Or like when you just trust me. Sometimes I'm like I want to go in and just like a grilled cheese sandwich just so I can get some of the, the pheromones of the burger. But now they're delicious. And whenever they open up a new one in a different state in America. Uh, it's always on the news because people oh, wait in line for like yeah. six hours. It's, it's absurd. Yeah. It's worth it. I've seen those queues, mate. They're not, you might as well just go to like a five star Michelin restaurant and just pay the extra bit yeah. if you're going to waste 12 hours in a drive through. Yeah, we got a bunch in the car. Got a lot of in and outs out here. Yeah. They're delicious. So, yeah, not had that. Um, so, <laughs> best supporting actress, Devine Joy Randolph for the holdovers. Not seen that. <laughs> best screenplay anatomy of a fall go cool. seen that go cool. <laughs> yeah uh, best original song what was i made for from barbie by billy eilish so yeah not <laughs> that probably have heard it it's just uh in the background of the barbie <laughs> yeah yeah don't remember it best animated film i saw people kicking off about this so the winner was the boy in the heron elemental was in the lineup the super mario brothers movie suzumi wish and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which I feel was the big upset of the night from what... I might follow people who just love comic book movies, Greg, but I tell you, there's people posting videos of the... Uh, ben, who edits the Mr. Sunday movies, his channel, he posted a video of him filming his reaction to it, and he was just about to jump up and celebrate, and then, uh, yeah, cut to it, and it was it was a boy in the heron, and he just looked uh. so deflated. So that was one of the big upsets of the night. I haven't seen it, Greg. I don't, don't think feel you... like we really run a movie podcast yet, do we? We're yeah. Not <laughs> you just ran through the gambit here, and nope, haven't seen it. Haven't seen it. And I, I, I think that people often will get upset for their film not winning, but we have to remember whoever that guy was when Parasite won over Joker, and how pissed off he was. That we ought to not get upset unless we've actually seen the thing that won. If we're mad at what won. Just you know, before you get there with your emotions, be like maybe maybe I should watch this before I decide. Yeah, this did not deserve to be the winner. I've had my upsets. Parasite's great as well. 
Parasite. Oh, I think Parasite <laughs> is a better movie than Joker in every regard. Honestly, <laughs> I think it's a great yeah. movie. Yeah, and it's an original film as well, which obviously yeah. wins it a lot. I think, and I mean, Joker did get accolades as well. Um, but something like, do you remember when the artist won? That'll always yeah. be the film. It was a black and white, mm-hmm. like silent film that they made in I don't know what year it was, but I always remember that and thinking, "What the hell is this, Craig? They've just voted this in because it's just doing loads <laughs> of weird stuff with it. They've they've made this win, but it's not. I'll never watch this. I don't think anyone who's watched it will ever watch yeah. it again. And that was kind of the point where I think they were like, "Oh, maybe we should start." doing things that are actually people enjoy and yeah. um, so that takes us into the cinematic and box office achievement which as we know barbie won uh, in the lineup for that was guardians of the galaxy volume 3 john wick chapter 4 mission impossible dead reckoning part one i don't oh. really think that was a box office achievement i think that lost money yeah. um but yeah that was in there I, I enjoyed it oppenheimer was next i mean it was pretty much between barbie and oppenheimer wasn't it and i feel not to get on my conspiracy theory hat greg but i think sometimes these Award choices, It's uh, they'll sometimes just choose certain ones to win over others because they just think, oh, we'll, we'll have to give this one an award because it's going to look bad if it doesn't, if it comes, if oh, we yeah. don't get, it doesn't get any awards. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so That's why they like created was... this, this specific award. <laughs> it's the reason they created it. Yeah. It's you had Spider-Man award. Across the Spider-Verse, the Super Mario Brothers movie. I've just realized, Greg, I was thinking last night, Taylor Swift's there just to be in the audience and sit and watch along. Nope. She was actually nominated for an award yeah. and it was for the cinematic and box office achievement. So the last uh, nominee in that category was Taylor Swift with the Eras well, Tour. What exactly is the cinematic box office achievement? It, it, wouldn't you just go by what made more money if you're if, if that is what the box office achievement is? But what was the like, cinematic achievement of a <laughs> what, what, what are the qualifiers for this category? It was number one most viewed movie on Tuesday, the 17th yeah. of May in 2023 at 8am. Just look at it and go, what and made more money? Closed. Bar- Barbie. Yeah. Pe- more people watch Barbie. <laughs> there, that's the winner right there. That's It's not a... It's, it was, not, it's like when the Flash won the, flash won, um, that's my the point. bit in the Snyder Cup. When the Flash won the Oscar fan cheer moment. And look, I love Zaxxon and his Justice League, but I was thinking, what the fuck is an Oscar fan cheer moment? What does that yeah. even mean? Yeah, what is mean. an Oscar fan cheer moment? And I'll always, I'll take Ryan, I tell you, Ryan was, he was so annoyed by it. He was furious about it. And I'll text him all the time saying, don't forget that the Flash won the best Oscar cheer moment. Um, even though it was a streaming movie yeah. just in your house that no one went to the cinema <laughs> to see, so you can't really judge the cheers. But don't forget it won. Um, so yeah, great moment that was. But yeah, the cinematic and box office achievement, it's just one of those awards. It's kind of like, uh, is there anything? I think they sat down and were like, look, mate, we're, we're probably going to give all the awards to Oppenheimer, but Barbie's been really successful this year. Can we invent a category where we can give an award <laughs> yeah. to Barbie? And like I've got bloody, I've got a great idea. It's the cinematic and box office achievement award. So that's it. And um, next one, best stand-up comedian on television. Ricky Gervais won for Armageddon. Um, Ricky Gervais has also famously hosted the Golden Globes. I think even he was taking shots at that guy and saying like, "Oh, maybe we should do it next year." I, but, uh, yeah, I would that was love good. to have been there for Joe Coy's reaction when Ricky Gervais won. 
yeah. devastated. Mm-mm. That guy's never going to work again, probably. No, no. What happens when you go after Taylor Swift, mate, you scumbag. Uh, best TV series drama was Succession. Best TV series musical or comedy. I love how there's like just loads of musical or comedies. It's like it's they've got their own category. It's like you can't be considered for the best drama. You can't be considered for the best movie if you're a musical or comedy. Yeah. But it's nice they made this category for them. I love how musical uh, so yeah. and comedy are lumped into what like these award shows make no sense. To, like I, I don't get why. Why are musical and comedy linked together? Like they're the yeah. same thing. Like there's every other genre belongs here. But musical and comedy belong here as its own separate thing. And a lot of the times the comedies are not even like real comedies that they're nominated well, comedies. Greg, <laughs> when you hear the winner, the music I'm right. The winner was the bear. In oh. the best musical or comedy. It's not a musical. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a comedy yeah. either. I would I wouldn't really say it's a comedy. I'd say <laughs> it's just like a sort of almost like a not a docudrama. But they, the way they shoot it, it's kind of very real life and kind of, um, it's like the Wicker Man. The Wicker Man was shot in a way that they wanted you to believe that it was kind of oh, real gee. and had a touch of reality in it. Yeah, and it's sort of like that where it has, uh, oh, it's not a music, I wouldn't say it's a comedy. I'm not sitting there laughing the whole time through. They have their, their funny moments, like the the episode where they have the, the Christmas and they get all like Jamie Lee Curtis in and stuff and all the cameos, but I wouldn't say it's a full-blown comedy, Greg. Um, so best actress in a TV series was Sarah Snook for Succession. Best actor in a TV series drama. A uh, best actor in a TV series, sorry. Uh, bloody hell, I can't talk. Best actor yeah. in a TV series. Best actor in a TV series drama, Kieran Culkin. So uh, he's beat cool. he's beat his brother McCulkey there. He uh, beat Pedro. McCulkey, I don't know. McClunky. McClunky. Uh, yeah, he beat Pedro as well for The Last of Us. Best Actress in a TV Series, Musical, or Comedy was uh, Io Edamary for The Bear. Yep. Great. She was great in that, but I don't know. Again, I don't know if it's a musical or a comedy, that. Best Actor in a TV Series, Musical, or Comedy, Jeremy Allen White, The Bear. So The Bear seems to be picking up everything for the, the TV stuff. Have you seen it, Greg? It's good. I haven't, but everyone tells, like, I, I hear it can be, like, a stressful experience in a good way. Like, like uh, yeah. a, a stress in a good way, and uh, it's because everyone's yeah, singing every two seconds, Greg, because it's a big <laughs> musical. They're all singing over the top of each other. <laughs> this musical puts yeah. me on the edge of my seat. Um, yeah, I, I, I've only heard like the complete opposite opinion. I hear there's a lot of people from the Bear in the Echo series. Okay, yeah, I didn't notice them. Well, maybe. Know. Um, so yeah, best best actor in a limited series, anthology series, or TV movie was Stephen Yeun with Beef. Sweet. Best supporting actress in television was Elizabeth Debicki for The Crown. Cool. Um, she was only in half the season. I mean, she played Diana. To be fair, she did a great job with Diana. But I feel like if she was going to win it, she should have won it for last year. Don't know if she won it last year, but she didn't really do that much this season. I don't think it was she. Mm. It's sort of the first part of it revolved around the build-up to Diana's death, and then the four episodes after that were kind of... Oh, it was, I think it was six episodes after that were kind of a young William coming up in the world and meeting Kate Middleton and stuff. But mm. yeah, she was she was good as Diana, I suppose. And Best Supporting Actor was Matthew McFadden in Succession, and that is the awards. So yeah, I mean, 
we didn't really see much of them, Greg, to be fair. So no. I don't really know how we can have an informed opinion on it. But lots of people on the internet seem to give opinions about movies that aren't even released yet and talk about how crap and terrible they're going to yeah. be. So I'm going to say that that list is all like wrong. That. All <laughs> wrong. I want to talk about Joe Coy. Uh, let me do yeah. it. Go for it. Let me do it. With my Pinoy pride seeping into this podcast right now. Well, I remember once people were watching our podcast and they were saying like, oh, I'm sick of these two white guys talking about stuff they don't understand. And I was like, I don't even know what race Greg is. I get nope. out here in L.A., I get a lot of different. I've had Armenian people come up to me like while well, we're in a conversation, usually at like the sauna or the steam room at the gym. <laughs> You're, they'll ask if I'm Armenian. They think I'm Armenian. I've got, you know, Mexican. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I get, I, I've got an Iraqi, Persian. I get a lot. I'm Italian and Filipino. My Italian side's all in New York. I live in LA. My whole Filipino <laughs> side is in, is in, uh, Glendale, <laughs> California out here. And, uh, I mainly see yeah. that. So anyway. Well, that's um, why I hired you, Greg. They were yeah, like, we need I some first- diversity <laughs> on this podcast. I was like, I need a guy who ticks all the boxes <laughs> in every single possible race. And I'm the I'm this weird oddball where I'm around my Italian side. I don't look like Italian. I don't really look like the Italian one. I'm like, oh, you definitely got that Asian in you. And then I'm around the Asian side, and and, and I'm like, I don't really behave like my Asian family. <laughs> so I'm just like weird mix. I've been whiteified in some way. And, uh, the, but I was with my family a couple of weeks ago, and they mentioned Joe Coy was uh, hosting the Golden Globes, and and like a lot of Filipino households, yeah, you know, it was like Joe Coy. He's like, like my mom loves Joe Coy because of the kind of comedy he does, and I've always thought he was like. And now oh, you're I, pretending to be Italian again. Yeah, now I'm like, no, I'm not Philip. I forget that. I forget that that's in me. <laughs> the, the, whatever. I've always the, been more Italian. I've always been more Mende. Forget about it. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I, I said to them, my family, like, I don't know what it is about Joe Coy. This is exactly what I said a couple weeks ago. I was like, I don't know what it is about this guy, but he's got like future canceled vibes uh, that he gives off. <laughs> I've always had that opinion about him, and. I didn't think it would actually be for his comedy. I've always thought that someone's just going to come out and say some shit about him. And my, my I didn't watch any of the um, the social media reactions prior to seeing the, the the monologue. I just decided to like look it up because I heard the Golden Globes were going on. I was going to go see a, a best friend for dinner, and I was like, oh, I'll, I'll watch this. And I could not believe just how embarrassing it was. Let alone like everything with like Ricky Gervais uh, of of how like great Ricky Gervais is and how he's become such a staple of knowing how to roast. He's he's got that ability to roast everyone in the room and still win over the crowd, you know. And the second Joe Coy started apologizing and throwing writers under, I get being nervous. I understand that. Like, there's parts of it where I can sure sympathize for it, but this level of like insecurity that just started shining through in the monologue and then putting down writers like in the middle of after what we just experienced <laughs> with the writer's strike yeah. and just not taking talking about like we're talking about like accountability and stuff and like not taking ownership over this and, and then at times like taking jabs at the crowd 
there were a few jokes that I thought worked, like the salt burn joke. Uh, I thought really landed well, uh, and uh, like a De Niro about uh, being eighty years old and you know having a kid. Like uh, I thought that joke landed well, uh, but I, I I felt like that feeling of secondhand embarrassment when when watching it. Like this is really not a good monologue, and like other comedians have bombed. Oh, it's not the, the end all be all of things, but this is a lot of. He's not like the biggest name for a lot. Of, a lot of people have not even heard of Joe Coy. Like he's big. At the same time, he's not like Ricky Gervais big, you know. And so, I'd never he, heard of him. Exactly. Like a lot of people have not heard of this guy. And he, even though I we, think I speak for all people, Greg, I think I'm I'm pretty much the only voice of the people Filipino people know Joe. Oh no. He, <laughs> John Campy has talked about it. Well, you're all canceled now. You're all canceled. You're you're ruining the good name, man. Um, so <laughs> yeah, we all, all we have is Jolly Bee now, and uh, he's um, that was that was a really embarrassing embarrassing monologue. I I gotta say, normally I'm the guy who's like trying to give some benefit of the doubt. I I do feel like I will be like, well, you know, guys, it's a lot of pressure, or whatever. But I thought his handling of it was all the things that I've ever felt like, this is why I get future canceled vibes. This like insecurity back to some narcissism, <laughs> you know, it's, it was, it was uncomfortable to actually, uh, to witness and everything that people were clipping out, you know, when they cut to people have mainly been highlighting the Taylor Swift reaction. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the main one I saw. Rightfully so. Cause that was really bad. Like that. Wow. She was, did not all she did was like take if like that that phrase if look if looks could kill like my god she looked she did not look happy about it but you know they they would have wide shots to other reactions you'd see like Harrison Ford um and other uh, yeah. other actors just not um, either no emoting or the slight shake of the head like they couldn't believe what they were listening to the one that I did kind of like that I thought was funny that did not seem like was going over well with anyone. Like when he did the Killers of the Flower Moon jokes uh, about like how you guys even take the premise of the movie. <laughs> like there were that joke actually did make me laugh. At the, but man, when they cut to Martin Scorsese, I don't know who was next to him, but when they cut to Martin Scorsese, and he's just not even like a hint of a smirk. That was really rough. It was really, really it looked rough. like someone had just told them they're going home to watch Marvel movies. What <laughs> yeah. was the joke about the flowers of the killer moon? I missed it. Uh, Killers of the flower moon. Sorry, I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna butcher a joke that already did not go over well. Um, there's <laughs> <laughs> um, something about like yeah, but like I didn't realize it was the joke was a simple premise of oh oh you white people stole everything they took everything they even took the premise of the movie and and and, and i thought that that was actually a funny play on how like a lot of the conversation maybe this wasn't his intent but at least how i took it how a lot of the conversation was how they wished it was more uh from the perspective of uh the indigenous yeah. people in it and not uh <laughs> not just the white people's perspective so i thought it was actually kind of a funny joke and that did not seem to go over well at all though with martin scorsese yeah, it was embarrassing. Yeah, it was it's a shame because the Golden Globes can often give you like mainstream eyeballs, and you know if it goes down well, I think it opened the doors a lot for Ricky Gervais. Obviously, um, I know he's obviously he was an established name at the time, but this just kind of took him to. I mean, I've watched so many of the clips from that speech that he did where he was just ripping into all the people there, yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's just 
you know, people bomb on stage, to be fair, lots of comedians do, but yeah, it just I don't think he handled it well, throwing his writers under the bus and stuff, especially after a writer's strike. Yeah, that was bad. So yeah, probably really not seeing him back next year, unfortunately. No, man. I think... Who's I hosting think... the Oscars this year? Is there a host? Is Jimmy Kimmel again? I don't know. Did they get away? Did they get rid of the hosts after um, Kevin Hart? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel. Kimmel he's your safe bet, man. Four time hosting. Yeah, four yeah. times he's done it. He just knows what he's... He, just, he probably just gets something. He just reads off whatever. He's yeah. like, see, see you guys later. I've done it's this Disney. times. His show's under AB. His show's under Disney, the Jimmy Kimmel show. So mm. it's all it's all synergistic. It, it's all yeah. promotion. And I think my personal, I would love to see Will Ferrell and did you see Will Ferrell and Kristen Wiig's um, Golden Globes? Yeah, yeah. Like, that was right. like such subtle. I don't know about three that. hours of that, Greg. No, no, I don't but know they, three hours of that. But they, they've had them do presents. They've they've done presentations before, and I've like seen the clips before. And then I, I think they're really hilarious. They are hilarious together, and, the, and this is a very different bit than what they've done prior. And I actually think they would do an excellent job hosting. I would love to see them do it. Let's get them on. Let's get them on, Greg. Get Let's whoever. Anyone yeah, but Joe Coy. Bloody anyone. terrible. That was awful. Yeah. So how, how do your family feel about them now? I haven't talked to them. It's, we can't just look not, each other not in the eyes. To each other and just kind of heads down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just go to church now. Oh, well. I hope you guys uh, have enjoyed going through. We've touched on some very sensitive subjects, and I always feel it's difficult to weigh in on these situations, especially as a lot of them are ongoing. You know, that full interview with Jonathan Majors might air, and he might come out looking amazing. And yeah, what a strange thing. It just felt very vort, very vort, vort and paid for. You know what I mean, Greg? It was all kind of a PR stunt. If them maybe testing public opinion to see if they could maybe get maybe get the guy back in some way or another, because I mean, they fired him really quickly, but uh, like James Gunn's a perfect example of them getting rid of someone and then being like, public opinion's changed a bit. Can you come back and do this job for us? So yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But obviously, let us know your thoughts on all the stories. I know there's only really been three ones with the Golden Globes, um, the Ray movie, and Jonathan Majors, but we'd love to hear your thoughts on them. You guys keep the podcast alive, because I tell you, the second that these views aren't good, I'm I'm on the phone to Greg and I'm saying, look, it's not me. Well, it's it's not me. It's you, and we're going. We're going to part ways, and the podcast's over. On the phone, you're going to have MT send me a text message. I know you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do be like, sorry, after the whole Joe Coy thing, I can't be associated with you anymore. It's like, but it's not me. It's like, well, you told me you were a big supporter of him, so you cancelled as well. Cancelled by association. I'll do it. I'll deal with it. You imagine? But yeah, hit the thumbs cancels, up. Cancels all Filipinos. Mother effort. Yeah. Well, that might be what happens, Greg. I mean, people on the internet, they're looking for a reason to hate. And we're hopefully cutting through that noise to give you a reason to feel like, not positive, but just sort of, huh, I don't hate this stuff, but I'm not excited about it either. I think yeah. I might go watch a Back to the Future breakdown, that 45 minute long <laughs> one that Paul's just made. That's all he cares about making anymore. But yeah, Echo's coming next week, Greg, which. Looking Next forward to the discourse around that. Well, we're, it... when we're talking about it, yeah. Wait, I thought it comes we're, out we, tomorrow. We're releasing... hey. Yeah, we're releasing the podcast, though, just before the embargo lifts, and then we'll be talking about it next week. 
So yeah, there's going to oh, be lots what of you mean. fun conversation. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were like, I was like, wait a minute, did I get my release dates? I fly my whole week. I need to, I need to shoot all this echo. I shit. don't even know Disney release dates anymore because I'll watch one trailer when I'm doing editing bits and it'll say like the echo stuff said january 10th and then i clicked on the next trailer to get clips from that and it said january 9th mm. and i'm like what the, what the hell's going on because they keep doing that thing where they'll swap the release times around like what if was back to uk release times and i was like oh thank god for that nice relaxing lie-in i get to I'm not getting up in the middle of the night to talk about loki um <laughs> but yeah echo seems to be back to that time but We'll see how it goes. I think the conversation about it's going to be very interesting, Greg. So make sure you guys are back next week with your opinions ready to type them furiously away and engage with the videos and watch the adverts as well. And we appreciate you guys as always. Enjoy the rest of your week. I've been Paul. I've been Greg. Ta-ta.